Hello and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode number 45 for the week of April 1st, 2019. I'm Ben Smith and I'm joined today by Mike McComb. Hey Mike. Hello. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest and this week we'll be talking about the second batch of entries from this year's first semifinal. How's it going, Mike? It's going well. How are you doing? I am good. Uh, it, it, you know, spring is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the internet's April Fool's Day jokes are bad, and I dislike them strongly. <sighs> yeah, it's really like the most useless day on the internet, which is really saying something uh, given the current state of things in the universe. And just a reminder to the professionals out there, you don't have to send that email. You don't have to send that joke email. You don't have to post that fake press release. We'd be fine. I would mm-hmm. be fine without it. It's particularly difficult when we're t- trying to compile stories and just be like, all right, what, what do we actually need to pay attention to? And how rigorous do we have to do our research? Like, it, it felt like we had to add an extra layer of looking stuff up uh, just to get through this week's episode. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. So much cross-checking, so much so much making sure that there's a second source reporting the same thing. It's like serious journalism over here. Boo. Uh- <laughs> okay, so one bit of news, since we actually have a news desk this week, there's going to be a new score presentation method. We are shaking it up a little bit again. Not too much, though. We are still going to have separate presentation of the jury vote and the televote. But unlike the last couple of years where we have gone from who got the least points to who got the most points, we are going to go from the bottom of the scoreboard up after the the jury vote so whoever's in last place we're going to find out hey they did really really well the televote or we're going to you know have like a situation where just thinking about sweden last year where oh boy they were they were doing real well with the juries but nobody liked that everybody was good i am so excited about this new method it's going to be like like you said it's just going to be kind of bonkers for the sweden situation or the one that jumped to my mind immediately was uh, austria in 2017 where they got zero points from the televote even though they were in like 11th or 12th place after the jury and there were gasps in the room when the zero points were announced but Mm -hmm. having that happen midway through the presentation like uh i mean sorry austria but at the same time that's going to be really fun to watch yeah like I'm, I'm one, like i was initially disappointed because i've sort of loved finding out who everybody really strongly disliked or well it's not that they disliked them it's just that they didn't vote for them yeah i mean it could be 11th place across the board yeah so, yeah I, I liked knowing the those things right up front but on the other hand the idea of spreading that out across where things lie after the the first uh round of votes just feels very exciting and i like it so well done team that thought of that it gets rid of the goofiness that happened last year where it came down to like the final score reveal uh, between israel and cyprus and they were still trying to drum it up as could austria still score the upset and like we're sitting at home being like no, it's mathematically impossible for that to happen. But they're still trying to get Austria to be like, no, no, you got to stand up and pretend that you're still in the running for this. It's like, no, yeah. no, they're, they're, they're not. But yeah, I think if you win the jury, you should have the right to be in the big dramatic moment at the end. And this, and this new system guarantees that. I see no real downside to this one, and I, I'm very excited to see it executed for this year's contest. Agreed. How is the rest of the Eurovision planning process going, Mike? Oh, goodness. Yeah, there's just so much goofiness that's happening right now in terms of security at the contest. So funding's been kind of an issue throughout Eurovision preparations. Like there was the big kerfuffle back in September of whether or not 
Israel was going to pay the deposit they needed to pay the EBU for the hosting rights. And that went down to the 11th hour. Uh, Over the weekend, the security screenings that were happening, so like bomb sniffing dogs and like other other protocols that are uh, pretty standard for Eurovision, uh, just in terms of getting the venue set up and like all of those logistics. Funding stopped, so work stopped. And they've been scrambling for like the last 24 or 48 hours as we record this, uh, trying to secure funding because the broadcaster was saying that they didn't want to have to pay for the whole thing. And it's usually not the broadcaster that pays for the whole thing. Usually the uh, government helps with some of that funding. The government was saying, eh, we don't really want to pay for any of this. And they came up with a split between various ministries within the government. But then the Ministry of Tourism was just like, they didn't want to pay their share. So then the prime minister's office had to step in. It's a huge, unnecessary mess. But uh, apparently it's all been resolved now. Checks are starting to clear and uh, work should start up again and getting the venue all set for the contest happening in less than two months time now so yep yeah good luck with that so (laughs) (laughs) elsewhere in yana lasan had to write a very stern letter and then take a big sigh news uh Mm. uh everyone's (laughs) favorite dramedy about a terrorist threatening an event very similar to the eurovision song contest has been postponed to air until after eurovision is done because remember how they, they were like, yeah, we're going to show this before the contest. And France was just like, hey, it would be great if you didn't portray a, a Muslim character as threatening to bomb this when we are setting someone who is Muslim. As our entrant, that would be great. Could you just hold off for like a week or two? That would be great, thanks. Uh, and Israel's like, no. And France was like, okay, then we're going to drop out. And again, Yano Lassan had to like come in and give everybody a very strong talking to and go, come on, guys. But uh, that seems to have also been resolved because it's going to air after the Eurovision is done this year. <sighs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, mean, it's just, I, I love it how like the fandom is just counting down the days to the grand final. It's going to be so exciting. Whereas like I could just see Yano Lasan just counting down the days to when he can just get a margarita, sit on the yeah, beach, just gets to, to be on the beach somewhere weeks, and not so and not worry about which ministry is going to just refuse to do what it's supposed to do as adults don't really want his job at this particular moment so nope no uh, thank you i'm good in terms of fandom eurovision interaction news my heritage the like title sponsor of this year's contest released an app last week that's doing the sort of photo matching with their photo database meme, I guess. And yeah, you upload a photo of yourself and it spits out which Eurovision act they think you look like. I tested it out with a few photos, uh, some with me wearing glasses, some from a few years ago. And all three times I got Greece's Sakis Ruvis uh, as my match. Oh, exciting. Although that's very flattering. Mm-hmm. I do not see it at all. Uh, they said it was a 53% match. I don't even see it as a 20% match. So. That is that is not a high percentage. No, uh, which, no. I mean, in fairness, like I also use the app and mm-hmm. I uploaded one photo and I was matched with Iceland's entry from 1999. So I was very happy that the photo clearly indicated I am a big fan of Iceland right now. But I had like a 52% match. That is not a good enough match in my book. I was very pleased that when I tried to upload another photo and instead selected the screenshot I had taken of my first results, it did identify that the person in it was the Icelandic entry from 1999 with a 99% confidence rating. 
Okay. All yeah. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> it's a little troubling. That was only a 99% yeah, match instead yeah. of 100%. <laughs> it was a very but... large screenshot with other things in the photo. So okay. maybe yeah. that threw it off. Uh, I tried a second photo and it did not. Uh, it said that it was broken. Uh, mm. I tried the photo again from home. Still said, nope, nope, I'm not going to do this. So From the other postings that I've seen, like on, on Twitter and such, I've not seen anybody have more than like a 50% match. So if you are somebody who has a significantly higher match and actually agree with the result, let us know. Yeah, let I'm, us I'm, know. Cause... I would really be curious to see that. <laughs> we're, we're sitting over here at about 50% match, and it's not great. I do not like the app. I don't know who I would look like, mainly because I've never really thought about it. Yeah, also, what is my heritage doing with these photos? Uh, yeah, yeah, there is that element to it as well. But of course, if everything's matching at 50%, that's... I don't know. Well, I guess that does encourage people to post more photos to try to get it a better match lined up. Hmm. You know, how about instead of going down conspiracy theories, let's uh, let, let's move on to our main topic. <laughs> yes, let's. Okay, so last week we kicked off our second look at all of the entries. We are currently in the thick of the first semifinal, and this is the second group of five. Chris King was was with us last week, and he was a delight. This week is just the two of us, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about some entries. So with uh, the first semifinal, we are taking things in alphabetical order. Fingers crossed we will have some sort of running order for, for semifinal two in the next couple weeks or so, so we can do those in running order. But for now, we're going to cover Poland, Serbia, Slovenia, Australia, and Belgium, because we are hitting the midpoint of semifinal one and starting up again with the second half. The first item on our docket today is Poland and Tulia with Fire of Love, or Polishe. Okay, Mike, how are you feeling about this one? I have some pretty extended thoughts about this, so maybe maybe you should go first with what you think of this song. Okay, cool. Yeah, my, my, I feel like my thoughts are a little bit more concise on this one. So when we first listened to this one, I liked that Poland is sort of approaching things from a very folk tradition this year, even though mm-hmm. this particular folk tradition is not one I enjoy. So the official version of the song that's been released, I think the thing that's really not working for me is that they are trying to do sort of like half English, half Polish here instead of one or the other in a way mm-hmm. that doesn't really serve either language well. You know, in prepping for the show this week, I look, I you know, I just typed in the name of the song, clicked on the first link, and was like, oh, something feels different about this. And I clicked on the, the official video on the Tulia page, which is entirely in Polish. Mm. And I think the song works better if it doesn't have the English. Like, the English feels very shoehorned in, and it feels like they are trying to kind of bridge the gap between just being full, like a fully folk entry and having something for, for viewers to grasp onto. I'm not sure it works. That makes a lot of sense. My main issue with the song, well, it's dealing with the studio version of the track, uh, okay. which has the production values of a kid's bop song. Part of the reason why I have such extensive notes about this is I realized that kid's bop might be something that doesn't exist outside of the U.S., and I wanted to double-check that, and I fell down a rabbit hole that I just find fascinating. Yes! So, 
Yes. So <laughs> gather around, kids. We've got a yeah. lot to talk about. For our friends outside the U.S., what Kids Bop is, it's uh, sort of like the – now that's what I call music compilations, where it's just taking the hit songs from like the last three to six months, give or take, mm-hmm. and they're all done as covers by – children singing the songs yeah just like it's like a group of like three to six studio kids with a z oh yes uh kids bop is spelled uh, with a z or a z the first thing i wanted to check up is just like all right is it actually children singing and in most cases yes there may be one or two adult studio singers that are in it but for the most part there it is actually children that are singing these songs and uh with with some of the hits of the day the lyrics sometimes need to be cleaned up to be child appropriate but yeah it's just songs that are made kids safe so that parents can buy them and like listen to the songs just be like all right this is a cover of a song that i like it's not going to drive me crazy if we have to listen to this like five times on a road trip that sort of thing but because they're covers like the production value is just very i don't even know how to really describe it it's like the like heavy emphasis on the vocals and uh Mm -hmm. like just a backing track playing yeah like i feel like the the production values feel like the sound-alikes that various people stick on Spotify or iTunes so that when you're not paying attention, you click on the wrong one. Right. Yes, exactly. Looking up more information about Kids Pop, because it's just like, okay, this is already kind of weird. There have been 39 main albums. The 39th compilation came out uh, this past January. Kids Pop 9, which came out uh, several years ago, uh, peaked at number two on the U.S. Billboard chart, like the overall album chart. Uh, since then, 24 of the 39 editions have reached the top 10. All but two have hit number one on the U.S. Kids chart. So, like, these are very popular compilations. Mm-hmm. The lowest ranking one was number 36, which peaked at 119 for whatever reason, which I just thought was really funny. <laughs> it was like, I mean, why, it, why? Like, no one is buying CDs anymore. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's like this also en- encompasses like iTunes charts and mm-hmm. uh, all of that. And like, I was just looking at the track list and it's like, oh, I don't immediately recognize all but one of these songs. So there was that. And uh, like one of the songs that uh, was on there was a Post Malone song, which really had to be cleaned up for like the kid lyrics and stuff. It's like, huh, <laughs> this brand has gotten really weird. Yeah, but- like, there- there's a point when you are sanitizing a song at which you need to ask, should I continue doing this? Right, right. But it's just so wildly successful. And Mm -hmm. uh, like the Kids Bop Kids, which is the official artist associated with Kids Bop, they hold the record for the most top 10 albums ever. Like they've beaten out Bruce Springsteen and Madonna and like other like legacy acts to have this record. So it's. I feel like like that record has the largest of asterisks next to it, though. (laughs) I guess, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, it should be more of a global phenomenon, I think. Not that I'm advocating for it, but... No, don't do this. These are bad. They are starting to branch out internationally. Like, they're, uh, like there's like German kids bop, I think, uh, UK, Australia. Like, it's still kind of in the predominantly English-speaking world, but it's it's starting to grow out there. But one of my, during my research, one of my favorite blurbs that I found, I, I think this was on Wikipedia, was about their first ever world tour, which was... The Kids Bop World Tour was a nationwide rock concert <laughs> uh, for kids featuring uh, uh, 
children and one adult performer uh, MC backed by a full rock band, which kicked off in the fall of 2007 in Minneapolis at Target Center. The tour traveled the upper Midwest and East Coast, comprising some 29 shows during a six-month run. So to review, the world tour was actually a nationwide tour, so long as the nation was not west of the Mississippi. Yeah, so yeah, was a nationwide tour that itself was not nationwide, given that it started in Minnesota and proceeded east. Yeah, yeah. So it has ideas. But anyway, that that's just all to say that <laughs> it, it, it's just placing Poland's entry in a very weird headspace for mm-hmm. me. Like okay. it's if I was just going by the studio track, I would have major reservations about it, uh, particularly kind of going to their other catalog. They do a cover of Depeche Mode's Enjoy the Silence. Yes. And I think that's what really cemented the whole kids bop analogy in my mind, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's just like, oh, yeah, it's just the same sort of like nasally, higher pitched, overly produced cover. So I kind of want to reserve judgment on this one until a live performance of this is more readily available. I believe they're performing at Eurovision in concert in Amsterdam this coming weekend. So I'm really looking forward to the video of that because I think, I think as a live performance, this could be really cool. Like, I think what they do, like at least the way that what they do is described, I think that could be interesting to watch. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be successful, but it, it's going to be different. Yeah. Whereas if it's going to be just kind of like a weird studio version and like, I don't know, for whatever reason, what immediately jumped to mind as I was saying this was uh, Yulia Semelova's entry last year, where it's just like, oh, the studio version sounded one way, then you heard the live performance and you just go, ooh, yeah, there's going to be problems. No. Yeah. So yeah, this is all going to hinge on how they sound live. And I think it's going to be, it's going to hinge on how they sound live leading up to the event, not necessarily at the event. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I agree with that. And like when the band got described as blending sort of this traditional Polish music with modern production, uh, I did not imagine that Kids Bop was going to be the modern production end of that. Mm-hmm. Or or just, they're, they're singing this style of music, but there's an electric guitar in the background. I agree with you that I really want to see what this, how this works live and how they perform live. Because based on only the, the video, I feel like the, the their performance style is very traditional, which means standing in a line next to one another, which is not going to be dynamic television. Right. The video presentation and what you were, uh, you were comparing it to Cold War when we were first talking about it a couple weeks ago. Like, there's just so much of this is just so overly produced and feels very plasticky. And I, I just want to kind of cut through some of that and see, like, what genuine attributes it has. Because I think there's something there. I just, it's, it's just shrink-wrapped at the moment. Yeah, it, it feels very, like, three-minute promotional clip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm just putting a giant asterisk next to Poland and in terms of all of my rankings until there's a little bit more information, I think. So next on our list is Serbia's entry, which is Navina Bozovic's Kruna. So this one's had a little bit of a revamp uh, since Serbia's national final back at the beginning of March. Ben, what do you think of this? Oh, so one thing I picked up during the week that I found very interesting and just thinking about how we're thinking about the Mm pre-parties, Novena is actually skipping, I believe, London to get married 
which is, which, you know, is like a great excuse to not go. Yeah, but it's also a really weird one because it's yeah. like, huh, you would think that would be circled on her calendar. Yeah, and you, just yeah, like, oh, you think nope, that, that's, that, there's a scheduling yeah, conflict think, here. You <laughs> like, think when you check the, yeah, when you check your planner and like, I get it, you maybe weren't expecting to become your nation's entrant in the middle of wedding planning, but life throws mm. us curveballs. Uh, but that has nothing to do with the song. Like, this one has grown on me the more I listen to it, especially now that they revamped it. You know, before, I think I had said that I really like the way this builds and the way that it suits her voice, and that's still very much true. I feel like there is a lot in this semifinal that feels very strong, and this one feels a little bit more towards the middle. Mm-hmm. But I would still really love to see this one squeak through in, like, 8th or ninth. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I Like, I think if this one were in the second semifinal... It would be way more of a shoe in Whereas this one, there are just so many entries that are like just hugging that middle. And yeah. pretty much anything below third place is the bubble at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. what makes it so tricky being in the bubble is I keep finding myself with a lot of the entries this year just being like, I don't know what to do with this song. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine. It's not. Yeah, like it's not earth shattering. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's not earth shattering. It's not transcendent. It's not, there's not a lot in this semifinal where I'm listening to it and be like, yes, this could potentially win. Like 10 of these songs are going through. Yeah, 10 of these songs are going through. I would love for this to be one of them. Although, like, one thing that gives me concern is I feel like what we see in the the video on YouTube right now, which is their national final performance, is about what we're going to get in the final staging-wise. Yeah, I, I I don't see them doing too much. I could see like, them adding, like, a, a couple of instrumentalists behind her. Yeah, but, I could see them adding a couple yeah. instrumentalists. I could see them throwing, like, a couple contemporary dancers behind her. I don't even know if they do that, because I don't really think of contemporary dancers with Serbian entries, but mm-hmm. I don't know. They could be trying something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, this song feels like they're trying something new in a way where it's just like it doesn't have that like really hard finish at Mm -hmm. the three minute mark the way that a lot of serbian entries have had in the past so like it's kind of losing that identity marker for the song i won't object if this song goes through but i don't think i'm going to be too troubled if it doesn't yeah like it's so middle of the road Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's middle of the road, and I I mean that in a good way, but I think this is not the particular semifinal to be middle of the road. There's such a large margin of error, I guess, that it's just like, it's just encompassing so much of the field. It's like, yeah, this could really go anywhere. And yeah, I mean, it may just be something that it depends on what the weather's like that day. It's like, oh, if it's a rainy day, it might do better than if it's a sunny day, you know? So Yeah, <laughs> it's there. It's a good power ballad, and we're done. We're done. We've said everything. Moving on, uh, next we have Slovenia, which is Zala Kraj and Gaspar Santi with Sebi. When this one came out, it was in a slew of things where we were just like, wow, Eurovision is a mood this year. Mm-hmm. Of those entries, this is one that I think has stuck with me the most. Like, it feels very much like my thing. But I'm also very, very cognizant right now that it is my thing in a way that I'm not sure it will be everyone's thing at Eurovision. Like, how do you feel about this one? This one, more than Serbia, I do not know what to do with this song. It does have a hookiness about it where but it's like kind of a droning hookiness and i don't mm-hmm. know if that's necessarily a good thing it's definitely not one that like i'm singing along to or like 
doing chair dancing while I'm listening to yeah, it. Like, but... I, I kind of agree with you. That's kind of droney. It's droney in a very pop way. Like it's not mm-hmm. like a dirge. Looking at how we ranked things on this one, I, this one was very high for me and it was just under the bubble for you for of not qualifying. And I think that's about right because I don't know which way this is going to go. This one, it might come down to staging a little bit just because I found their stage performance at the Slovenian final to be very high school prom but okay. uh with a lot of drama attached to it but not like not like in a dramatic way just being like teen angsty and mm-hmm. yeah that doesn't make for super compelling television especially when right. you have to like make your imprint in three minutes or less right so. but what's interesting for me is that so again we just got done talking about how serbia we think that what we see is what we're going to get mm-hmm. this is one where i do kind of want them to refine what they did but the thing I liked about this song is the the intimacy it feels between sort of the player and singer here, where mm. I want it to feel like those those are the only two people in the world. Mm. Like maybe some very simple lighting effects going on, kind of dim, just kind of... I keep thinking of the XX in relation to this act. And the XX were very, very good about having very simple, very minimal videos for their first two albums, where I think this would fit in with that same style. As you were talking about the intimacy aspect, I'm thinking of the end of Lithuania's entry last year, where mm-hmm. it's it was a singer and her husband standing on the bridge. Yeah. Like, if they can capture that mood and expand upon it, I think... I think that would work really, really well. Yeah, like I want this to, yes, the stage is smaller than usual this year, but I just want it to feel just very intimate, very close, just these two. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that clever camera work could accomplish, because I think that was part of the issue with the Slovenian finals. Like it was a lot of mid shots and wide shots. Just like one mid shot, basically, yeah. Yeah, and if they can have it be much more like close up focused and I don't know, maybe like focusing on the eyes, like that might pull it together or like finish making the sale okay and I, I could probably get more behind that but yeah this this one's definitely a mood and i feel like i should like it a lot more than i do and I, again like it's not that i dislike it i just haven't found it to be like transcendent or particularly grabbing just yet I feel like I'm being really negative this week. I'm totally not. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's just that middle of the field thing. I yeah, guess. that middle of the know. field so, yeah. feel. <laughs> now that we are at the middle of the field, we're going to start with the second half of the first semifinal. And going back to the beginning of the alphabet, that puts us at Australia with Kate Miller Heidekey's Zero Gravity. So we covered Australia pretty extensively this season since they had their first national final ever. And I still think this was the correct one to advance out of their national final, but I'm not as enthusiastic about it now as I was when it was selected. Okay. And yeah, but I mean, I think part of that was they did select pretty early, so there were like... 35 songs that came after it so i think that's to be expected a little bit but yeah what 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 are your thoughts on this one the last time we talked about this you corrected me and said that this was not opera this is much more broadway and i get that now i've listened to this i've listened to this more times and i get that and like the the way it builds in the opening is i don't want to say good i will say interesting which is which as a midwesterner is terrible oh it's nice yeah Yeah, it's (laughs) nice oh it's different yeah uh yeah (laughs) My opinion of this song 
has improved since initially because I did not like this song initially. I was very disappointed that uh, 2000 or whatever did not take it. Mm-hmm. But like this has grown on me and I see I see why it won. Like the, per- the performance feels very dynamic. It feels like something that will capture the eye. And again, my, my opinion of it has improved, but like I still have this being like the first time that Australia doesn't quite make it. This is another one that feels very on the bubble for me where it could be a, a very easy placement in the final or it can place 11th i'm not as pessimistic is not the right word i i I think this will do fine in the semi-final they're planning on retooling the staging which is something that i think needed to happen Mm -hmm. um and i I think there's a very strong team behind this song so i'm I'm not worried about it qualifying i think it's really gonna struggle in the final yeah Um, i know that Australia's goal is to kind of get out of the lower rankings on the right-hand side of the scoreboard, uh, which they've been experiencing the last couple of years. I'm not sure that's going yeah, to Yeah, I'm not sure this is the entry that's going to do that. So I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that they are kind of retooling the the staging of this because my, my notes for that were, like, we have seen somebody with a big dress and an equally big voice. Mm-hmm. Last year with Estonia, if they were going to keep like the same kind of big dress thing, I want her in a full harness popping out of that at the end, like doing like a full zero gravity floating around. But there's just something about like the the kind of operatic kind of high parts that just doesn't work for me still. The whole structure of the song does have a surprisingly standard chorus verse thing going on. But like the there's like the bridge with the nothing holding me down. Mm-hmm. It just becomes like a lot of elements going on by the end. I think the studio track's incredibly strong, particularly the the, the bridge part of it. But I don't think, uh, at least from the national final, I don't think they were emphasizing those parts or really allowing them to shine the way they need to shine. I, I've not seen what the specifics are of the retooling. It's just like, oh, is it just going to be a different color dress and like two people swinging behind her or is it going to be like a complete reimagining of the staging and if it's just tinkering i think that's gonna be a problem if it's like a total rehab i i think they have a lot to work with so this one's the one i'm most curious about i think uh in the first semifinal because there's there are a lot of unknowns but like what we do know i'm already excited about okay Our final song for today is Belgium's Entry, which is Wake Up by Elliot. And one thing that's really popped out in repeated listens for me, Mike, is I can totally tell that this is like the same team that did Blanche's entry from a couple years ago like i the synthiness in the background and especially the chorus i think i i'm mm-hmm. just like oh yeah this is definitely that team like i yes. can i can i can see their thumbprint on this yes absolutely and i think that's what i'm most worried about yeah with this entry yes like, i'm so glad to hear that you're worried about this one too because the more i listen to it the more i'm like this is kind of generic yeah and i think i kind of find elliot's vocal to be rather thin like even on the studio version mm-hmm. and I mean, he does have experience being on uh, the voice of Belgium. The Eurovision stage is like, it's a, like, even though it's going to be a small stage compared to previous Eurovision stages, it's still a very big stage. And I could, like, if he's doing the same sort of wispy vocal that Mm -hmm. he has, I I, I could just see him getting swallowed up. Yeah. And I have a lot of concerns about this one. Mm -hmm. And I I think part of it is I immediately fell in love with City Lights in 2017. Mm -hmm. And this one... 
I, I didn't have that same instant attachment. Again, like this, this whole middle set that we're talking about is just completely middle of the pack. Yeah, it's just, like, it's just bubble city. I could see this one landing exactly in the middle, yeah, which and- in a field of 17, that's good news. That means that you qualify, but I don't think Belgium wants to just just get by. Doesn't want to doesn't want to eke out uh, a placement in the final. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like this is definitely in the part of the bubble for me where I think it has I think it has stronger chances than like some of the other bubbly entries we've discussed. But yes. I feel like I feel like a bad performance be like a surprise out for this. I mean, that's what happened to Belgium last year and almost probably could have happened in 2017. I mean, it She yeah, cuz Blanche had was like a deer in headlights. Yeah, and if that happens this year, I don't see there being a second chance with that yeah and which is a shame because I, I think belgium's been making a lot of good choices and yeah it's just like at the end of the day if you just make that one bad choice at the very end that that could be yeah, your if, undoing. You, if you don't stick the landing that could be enough to to keep you from qualifying i find myself liking elements of the song like when i like i mm-hmm. like the chorus kind of gets stuck in my brain from time to time although not not enough that i can like definitely recite the lyrics to you but like enough where i'm like okay this is this is like the, the rough melody as a whole the more i sit with it the more I'm, I'm just like i have no clue what's going on with this lyrically or in the verses and what this song is trying to say it definitely captures my interest for for the time that it runs and that's mm-hmm. good because i find myself with this pack of songs like i i will i seem to be voting more for interesting because that that means a more interesting show exactly like i will take that over over you know just sort of safe choices and and middle of the road kind of ballads but but it doesn't keep it and it doesn't really fully burrow into my brain like it really needs to 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 Mm -hmm. be to feel concrete that this will go through i guess the one thing it does have going for it is by being in the second half and until we get the running order like it could get placed toward the end of the running order and if it's the last song to go or the second to last song to go that's really going to help it but if it's number 10 in the running order then there's going to be some problems. Yeah. So purely looking ahead to like what we're discussing next week, mm-hmm. uh, there is a lot of things that are going to have very strong visual performances. Yes. If not, if not vocal performances as well. And if this is lacking in either of those areas, it's at risk. If Belgium performs before Iceland does, I see this one just getting completely lost. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. So. Belgium is immediately followed by Iceland. Uh, Elliot, who? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, sorry, Elliot. Yeah. So. <laughs> sorry, you you do a very good job with this song, but also Atari. This is a rough set. <laughs> uh, uh. Like, yeah, like what 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 are your overall thoughts on 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 these five on this pack of contestants? So this is such a weird set of five, and mm-hmm. like I had I had done sort of a mini ranking of just these five just to kind of catch where where my brain was on these five because thinking about them in the whole they're kind of just all over the place and they're like it's very hard to nail down i think of the five i like slovenia best followed immediately by belgium then serbia poland just sort of drew the short straw just because i think i i admire what it is going for but i think it is a very hard sell compared to the rest of the field Mm -hmm. australia i really kind of want to see what this retooled performance looks like, what the, you know, and what this sounds, what this continues to sound like live. Like, can uh, Kate Miller Heideki deliver this level of performance every time? I, this, oh, I think all, she can. Just like all of these feel like the wrong performance choices could just sink them. Yeah, which is really 
difficult and like not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, no, there, are, I, there I think... are 12 other e- entries in the semifinals. So like all five of these could fail. Well, yeah. And just, um, I, just thinking through what we've discussed, I feel like we've mentioned things that for each of these acts that feel like they could be the wrong production choice. And with the wrong production choice, like it's not even like a high risk, high reward type production choice. Like it's going to be like, oh, you wore the red thing instead of the blue thing. Like it's like very simple choices like that that shouldn't be that big of a deal could cause these to sink or swim. Yeah. And ugh, that's <laughs> sorry, all five of you. Yeah, sorry, all five <laughs> of these acts that we, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Poland, as I said, I think it's going to come down to what their live vocal is several weeks before the contest. Mm -hmm. Uh, Serbia, like we know what the live vocal sounds like, but there's nothing particularly exciting about the song. Before we get too far in, yeah, yeah, like Poland, like how do they sound live? And also, is it just going to be a static shot of them standing in the line singing the song? Mm -hmm. Serbia shrug slovenia i think slovenia is maybe the like in the safest position of the five yeah like like you were saying like if they can really draw on that intimacy and and thinking back to their national final like that audience was into that performance yeah so, so if they can capture there, there's something going on the there. same vibe yeah. they had going on there i think they are the safest of these five australia there's just too much and not enough going on with that one and yeah and with belgium it's not enough going on and there should be much much more there should be more so yeah it would be easier if i strongly disliked any of these songs but i don't like they're all yeah that's what what makes it the the toughest is that like i don't actively dislike any of these (laughs) this this is the heartbreak group yep yeah in conclusion everyone oof yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and that's a tagline for this I was, episode. That's, I, was, I was gonna say that's the title for this episode Oof. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah <sighs> anyways that's gonna do it for this episode of the year what thanks for listening the year what podcast is hosted by ben smith that's me and mike mccomb that's me you can find us on our website at eurowhat.com and on twitter facebook and instagram at eurowhat We'd love to hear your questions and comments, and also, if you get a higher percentage than, like, 50-ish on that Eurovision match tool this week. You can subscribe to the EuroWhat on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Rating and reviewing the podcast when you subscribe also helps other Eurovision fans find us. It's, It's pretty great, so please rate us, review us. We will be back next week to try and make sense of what's new in Eurovision. 